This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue in Titus with qualifications for elders, rebuke them sharply, sound doctrine, grace of God, and the washing of regeneration. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with our true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, poor merciful sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, and for sinful me. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you revealed to the Apostle Peter the blessed truth that your Son Jesus is the Christ. Strengthen us by the proclamation of this truth that we too may joyfully confess that there is salvation in no one else through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for the festival of the Confession of St. Peter is from Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the eighth chapter. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. 
And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is the gospel of the Lord.
of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are again, a full chapel, with me helping you to get closer together each time. And that's how it always is this third week in January, as you come by the hundreds. But why? Is it the weather that brings you here? Maybe a few of you living farther north, yes. Perhaps it's a homecoming feeling for many of you, and it really is kind of like homecoming week for us. It's a time for networking, as we get to meet friends and meet new people, especially though, folks from around the world who come for this gathering. But it's more than that, isn't it? Because we come to confess the truth, to hear the truth of God's word spoken and proclaimed that we might be strengthened as we go back into the fields of harvest where we serve, knowing that it is Christ who is Lord of all. You have to imagine that St. Peter would feel right at home in this room at this gathering today. After all, he knew what confessing was all about, didn't he? Quick was his answer, you are the Christ. Now, it's rather serendipitous that January 18th, the day we celebrate his commemoration of this confession, often falls during one of the days that we are gathered for this symposia, especially the symposium on the Lutheran confessions. And with Peter, we are reminded of the conviction of his confession, the clarity of that confession, and certainly also the confidence with which he expressed it. On another occasion, after the feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus in that long bread of the life discourse had pretty much driven everyone away, he then asked the disciples, are you going to leave too? And once again, Peter is ready. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. And of course, that same conviction and confidence and clarity would show forth in Peter's preaching following Jesus' resurrection and ascension. As we heard in the first reading, where Peter, having been arrested and now standing before the Jewish elders, proclaims, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Through the ages, faithful confessors have followed in Peter's train. Think of the more than 300 bishops and pastors who gathered in Nicaea to confront the errors of the day, confessing that this Lord Jesus is begotten, not made, one substance with the Father. Or think of those Lutheran confessors, those Lutheran princes at Augsburg, ready with a spoken confession before the emperor, but even ready to give their lives rather than to kneel down and participate in the Corpus Christi procession. Fast forward to the 20th century, behind the Iron Curtain, with the systematic elimination of pastors. Yet in Russia, for example, faithful babushkas continuing to keep the flame confessing the truth and teaching that truth to their children and grandchildren. And even into the 21st century, just a few years back, those 21 Christian martyrs there on the shores of Lebanon, I'm sorry, of Libya, they're asked to swear allegiance to Allah, but no, with heads covered and knives at their throats, 
they confessed Jesus of Nazareth to be the Lord. We could all add names to the list, names within this room, others that we know who have suffered for the truth, perhaps even died for the truth. And one thing is certain, this confession of Christ as Lord, with all of its conviction and clarity and confidence, is not something that comes from the human heart. It must be revealed by the Father. It's spirit wrought, something we just sang about in that creed hymn where Luther says of the Spirit, who the church's own creation keeps in unity of spirit. But as Paul Harvey used to say, we know there's another part to the story. And now for the rest of the story, Peter's bold confession doesn't hold out very long, does it? Because he seems all of a sudden to be auditioning for a new role, Peter the denier. The scandal of the incarnation is hard enough. The scandal of the cross, Peter will have none of it. Certainly not, Lord, for which he will earn a rebuke from Jesus. Are there ways in which our confession sometimes falters? Perhaps it's the conviction that wanes, fearful of the reaction we may receive to speak the truth. Or perhaps it's the clarity of our confession that falters. As we are perhaps tempted by the latest theological trends, or we've come up with some fanciful interpretation of the scriptures that we are convinced is the truth, even when some of our brothers might say, are you sure you want to say it quite that way? In every case, it's the challenge of not listening carefully to God's word and what he has delivered to us. And of course, there's the temptation with confidence waning as well, though sometimes I think it might be the opposite direction, an overconfidence we might have. We know the truth, that truth has been delivered to us, and we're going to speak and proclaim that truth come hell or high water, no matter the consequences, Whatever people take from it, fine. But when we make that confession, which we must, and we must speak the truth, will that truth be spoken in love? In love for the soul that has been purchased by Christ that needs to hear that truth. The challenge always is that that truth must be spoken in love for the neighbor, that they too might come to a true and faithful confession of Christ. If it's not rooted in love, our confession really is of no value at all, because it must be rooted in Christ, the servant of all, who bids us to be servants to one another, to step beneath, to lift up, to hold up, to suffer if we must, so that they can hear that truth in all its purity. And so the rebuke that Jesus gave to Peter in earshot of the disciples, Mark reminds us, is a rebuke we may sometimes have to speak to one another and we may sometimes have to receive from a brother or sister in Christ so that our confession might be faithful, but one that is always spoken in love for that neighbor. Herman Sasse, in his article, Church and Confession, states the following toward the end. The confessor stands on the threshold of eternity. Ever since Jesus posed that question to the disciples, who do you say that I am? It's been posed to every Christian in every age to make the same good confession. Who am I, he asks. It's a dress rehearsal, you could say, for that final day when we stand before the judgment throne of God. 
But when that day comes, confession as we're talking about it will really actually cease. There will no longer be false confessions. There will no longer be error. Even the father of lies himself will be silenced once and for all. And all that will remain is Jesus, the servant of all, who gave his life for all. And at his name, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God in his mercy and grace already gives us a glimpse of that great eternal confession. For every time we step into his presence to hear that gracious word of life he proclaims, we are receiving him. And in a few moments with your feet, you're going to make a grand confession as you step forward, proclaiming his death, his saving death, which he now distributes to us the benefits of through his body and blood. All a wonderful rehearsal for that final day, that final hour, when we will finally join with every confessor of every age, which we already do now, but then we'll see face to face, with Peter and his great, you are the Christ, with Mary Magdalene there in the garden, Rabboni, with Thomas, just eight days later, beckoned to put his hands into the nail prints, crying out, my Lord and my God. Or even as we heard yesterday in the gospel, Nathaniel, who already at the beginning of Jesus' ministry is ready to proclaim, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Grant that such truth may ever spring forth from our lips, and that with our very lives, we would confess that Jesus is Lord. In the name of Jesus. Friends in Christ, I urge you all to lift up your hearts to God and pray with me as Christ our Lord has taught us and freely promised to hear us. God our Father in heaven, look with mercy on us, your needy children on earth, and grant us grace that your holy name be hallowed by us and all the world through the pure and true teaching of your word and the fervent love shown forth in our lives. Graciously turn from us all false doctrine and evil living, whereby your precious name is blasphemed and profaned. Lord, in your mercy, may your kingdom come to us and expand. Bring all transgressors and those who are blinded and bound in the devil's kingdom to know Jesus Christ, your son, by faith, that the number of Christians may be increased. Lord, in your mercy, strengthen us by your spirit according to your will, both in life and in death, in the midst of both good and evil things, that our own wills may be crucified daily and sacrificed to your good and gracious will. In your hands we commend all who are in need, praying for them at all times. Thy will be done. Lord, in your mercy, Grant us our daily bread, preserve us from greed and selfish cares, and help us trust in you to provide for all our needs. Lord, in your mercy. Your 
Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us, so that our hearts may be at peace and may rejoice in a good conscience before you, and that no sin may ever frighten or alarm us. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lead us not into temptation, O Lord, but help us by your Spirit to subdue our flesh, to turn from the world and its ways, and to overcome the devil with all his wiles. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our and lastly, O Heavenly Father, deliver us from all evil of body and soul, now and forever. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our we trust, O Lord, in your great mercy to hear and answer us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give you thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Grant us your Holy Spirit, gracious Father, that we may give heed to the testament of your Son in true faith, and above all, firmly take to heart the words with which Christ has given us his body and blood for our forgiveness. By your grace, lead us to remember and give thanks for the boundless love which he manifested to us, when by pouring out his precious blood, he saved us from your righteous wrath and from sin, death, and hell. Grant that we may receive the bread and wine, that is, his body and blood, as a gift, guarantee, and pledge of his salvation. <laughs> 
graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and at his command and with his own words, we receive his testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
The peace of the Lord be with you always.
body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.